Welcome to Chamberlain University's MSN CourseCast. Each episode in our series will introduce and discuss key concepts from the modules in one of your courses. These episodes are intended to enhance your learning when you're on the go, so feel free to listen to them anytime and anywhere. Hello and welcome to our podcast on the patient experience as a driver in healthcare delivery. And this is part of the content for NR562. My name is Dr. Mariah Hocken, and I am a full-time faculty member with the Accelerated Track MSN program here at Chamberlain University. I will be moderating our discussion today. And with me, I have Dr. Michael Spencer, who was one of our visiting professors and has a wealth of knowledge and information to bring us today. And so with that, Dr. Spencer, can I ask you to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, thanks, Dr. Hawkins. So um, this is Dr. Spencer. I am a family nurse practitioner. Obviously, I have a doctorate degree as well. And then I also went back to, and did a post-master's degree in psychiatric mental health as a psych psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. And I am an adjunct faculty at Chamberlain. I've been with Chamberlain for, man, I want to say almost three years. And it's been a great experience. So, and I thank you for, for inviting me to do this with you today. I appreciate it. Wonderful. Well, thank you. And we are so lucky to have you with us on our team and look forward to our discussion today. So with that, can you first provide just a general overview of the topic? So what is, you know, patient experience? How does it impact health outcomes? And how does the delivery of nursing and healthcare services affect patient experience? Yes, yeah, I'd be happy to. And this is a, a great question, I think. And, um, you know, before I go further, I, uh, I wanted to introduce myself a little more. I do work at a federally qualified health center where we're pretty involved with trying to raise funds with legislation, which with contacting, you know, state and local and also federal uh, sources for, for payment and reimbursement and getting help to support patient care. So this is a topic that I find very interesting and important. And I've been involved with, you know, contacting senators, contacting local leaders. And uh, I think as we go through this podcast, Dr. Hockin, you're going to see just how important a role each of us can play when it comes to the impact of healthcare. So I first, I wanted to, de to define what the quote unquote patient experience is. And I got a nice definition from the uh, Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, and I'm going to quote that here. They say the patient experience encompasses the range of interactions that patients have with the healthcare system, including their care from health plans and from doctors, nurses, and staff in hospitals, physician practices, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, I added that part, and other healthcare facilities. As an integral component of healthcare quality, patient experience includes several aspects of healthcare delivery that patients value highly when they seek and receive care, such as getting timely appointments, we all know that's important, easy access to information, another very important component of having a satisfaction and improving outcomes, and good communication with healthcare providers. Now, understanding patient experience is a key step in moving toward patient-centered care so what we're saying here is you have to understand what is the patient experience. I think it's easy to, to sit 
you know, maybe in the ivory tower and say, oh, we should be doing this, we should be doing that. But you have to look at what the patient experience is and help that to drive what's, what's happening and how we can improve patient-centered care. And by looking at, you know, different aspects of the patient experience, we can assess the extent to which patients are receiving care that is respectful and responsive to individual patient preferences, needs, and values. And then evaluating patient experiences along with other components such as effectiveness and safety of care is essential to providing a complete picture of health care quality. Does that make sense, Dr. Hawken, do you think? Yes, Dr. Spencer, thank you so much. That was a great overview of patient experience and a great definition that you shared there. And Thanks. Is it okay if I share a little more too? Please do. Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to, you know, a lot of times we get this confused with, and I, and I just, you know, as I was studying and preparing for this, in fact, I think I, I said this earlier, I love the role of leadership and, and the impact that nurses and, and nursing leaders can have, but we need to understand the difference between patient experience and patient satisfaction. So, and again, I got this from um, the AH, uh, the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality. So patient satisfaction and patient experience can be used interchangeably, but they're not the same thing. And so to assess patient experience, we have to find out from the patient whether something that should happen in the healthcare setting, such as clear communication, actually happened or how it happened. Satisfaction, on the other hand, is about whether a patient patient's expectations about a health encounter were met. So you can see there's kind of a difference there in those two those two measures. And, and they're easily confused, I think. I think yeah. so too. I think there's that a lot of those terms are a lot of times those terms are used interchangeably without giving much thought to the nuances of what they mean, you know, separately. Exactly. Exactly. But there is a difference. And and there's studies that are based on, you know, satisfaction. And then there's studies that are based on a patient's experience. Yes, and I you brought a lot of those good studies and research forward. And I, um, I look forward to hearing what else you have found in the research to just add to this topic. Um, yeah. So with that, you know, what is, you, you know, I think you might've already even covered this, but is there anything else that you wanted to add about patient experience separately from patient, you know, satisfaction as a concept? Yeah, I'm glad. Thank you. There is. Um, so, so a couple thing, a positive patient experience, it's, it's an important goal in its own right, right? So, and evidence points to that a, a positive association between various ac aspects of a patient's experience, such as good communication between patients and providers and several important healthcare processes and outcomes. And then these processes and outcomes include patient adherence to medical advice, right? Because if you have good communication, um, and, and, and you understand what's going on, then hopefully the goal is, and, we, and research shows, that you'll have better adherence to medical advice. And I hate the term non-compliant, so we want to use non-adherence if we can and not use non-compliant, right? So this is saying that if, if there's better communication, better you know, mutual respect with each other, then you'll, hopefully you'll have better adherence to medical advice, which would lead to better clinical outcomes, right? And then which would have improved patient safety practices, because obviously um, I'll give an example. Let's say, you know, you're seeing a patient and you're, you're telling them, hey, don't, you know, you have a GI bleed. Don't take, you know, ibuprofen or some of those drugs because it can, it can worsen your GI bleed. But if there's that communication is not there and the patient doesn't understand or follow it, then, right, that medication can worsen their condition. So 
improving patient safety practices and and here's an interesting one too dr Hawkin, lowering the utilization of unnecessary healthcare services we know that our healthcare system is overburdened right now there's we're short staffed and if you can lower the reason that someone would go to the emergency room say for a simple you know urinary tract infection i'm talking simple there are reasons to go to an er if you have a severe urinary tract infection right we, we may need iv antibiotics but we're talking about someone who just goes because they don't want to go to their family provider but that's like unnecessary care service and it's expensive and costly right to utilize the ed for for reasons for that but if you have that communication with your patients or where wherever you're at that hey you know if you got something you can get a hold of us come into us versus going to the er unless of course it's life-threatening or you're very sick does that does that make sense too for sure, it does. And I think that's important because I think a lot of times we think of patient experience as sort of like a just a, a feel good add on that would be great, you know, if you have time. <laughs> but, right. you know, really driving home the fact that you're saying is that patient ex the patient experience can drive so many outcomes and, and right. so many and, and really mitigate many of the barriers that we're seeing in healthcare, exactly. um, you know, such as that un unnecessary use of services, better adherence to the plan of care, which I love that you commented on the fact that, you know, noncompliance is really a, a horrible term. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so I, I really like that non-adherence rather than non-compliance because, you know, there's there's a lot of reasons for, you know, non-adherence mm -hmm. um, that don't, that, that aren't summarized well by just non-compliance, you right. know. Um, and like you said, that experience that the patient has with the healthcare um, setting, the healthcare team, the mm -hmm. healthcare services is really going to drive, you know, their decisions moving forward and, you know, participating in that plan of care that's been developed for them. Exactly. Thank you. I pre Yeah, excellent points. And, you know, right now, uh, Dr. Hawken, I'm kind of focusing on, you know, maybe physician practices or nurse practitioners or PAs. But, you know, the nurse leader has a, a significant role in this, and we're going to be talking about that more as we go on. So I don't want you to think that some of the examples I've given are just related to if you're just practicing medicine per se. But there's a lot of things that the nurse leader can do to help improve the patient experience and help to lower, you know, utilization of unnecessary health care, improve patient safety. So it's not just providers. It's all of us working together as a team. And the nurse, nurse leader is a very important part of that team. And that's why they're in this class, right? To learn how to be better leaders, which is, is fantastic. Yes, thank you for adding that. It definitely is a concept that transcends really all, you know, healthcare settings and levels mm -hmm. of healthcare and nursing in general. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And so um, with that, moving on, so the alignment, can you tell me a little bit about the alignment of the concept of patient experience with person-centered care and the PCN framework? Sure, sure. And I also, you know, do you mind if I touch on something else real quick? Um, Please just do. The patient experience as a concept, I've, I found an interesting article by a Dr. Patrick Obian, I think it's O-B-E-N in 2020. Um, where he's talking about understanding the, the patient experience. And he, he, he was right on here because he said, you know, it, it seems like, you know, even the patient-centered care, the patient experience, these are terms we use, but 
they haven't really been clearly defined. Do you think, Dr. Hawkins, that have you found that they've been clearly defined what they are? No, not at all. And I don't think that there's much emphasis within, you know, nursing curriculum and and really within the practice setting for nurses to have the opportunity to really discuss the and concepts he, and how they define. Right, right. And so he, in his article, he goes on to point out that despite, you know, the increasingly important role that the patient experience occupies in healthcare, clinical practice and research, there's no universal understanding of what the quote unquote patient experience is because there's no standard definition. And I think part of that reason too, and he goes on to expand on this, is that, you know, every one of us, we're going to have a different experience. We're all individuals. We're all unique, right? We all have different things that happen. And so he, he shares this quote from the Burrell Institute, which I wanted to share real quick here. And then I'm sorry, I didn't address your other question yet, but we'll move into that. But the Burrell Institute, they define the patient experience as the sum of all interactions shaped by an organization's culture that influence patient perceptions across the continuum of care. So, and I think that's important, the continuum of care. So it's not just, you know, what your doctor says or what, what happens in, in the office or the ED. It's from the time you, you know, you, you access healthcare to the time you're, you leave either the office or the hospital or you're discharged or wherever it is, right? It's that whole continuum, everybody that you come in contact with that shapes that whole experience. So just wanted to share that a little bit. Now you asked me about the alignment of the, the patient experience with person-centered care and the PCN framework. So I wanted to talk about I hope you don't mind here again, the, the term PCN or person-centered care, which is what PCN is. And I had to do quite a bit of research the last two weeks because I had really, this was honestly a term I had never encountered. Not person-centered nursing is for PCN. I said PCC, which is person-centered care. I apologize. But PCN is person-centered nursing. And what that is, is, is a, it's a genuine and holistic healthcare approach that assists individuals to manage their health according to their preferences, which, you know, in the old days, you would go in and you weren't asked, you know, really what you wanted to eat or what your preferences were or stuff like that. So um, now it's like based on your preferences, which is nice in some respects, and then can be more challenging in, in another respect. But Responsible caregivers can respond to patients' uh, weaknesses, conditions, behaviors, and health issues, which can impact their well-being. And I think having that person-centered care has proven to have positive outcomes for patients and nurses and can lead to a higher level of satisfaction. It can cause frustration, too, let's be honest. But I think once, you know, parties can mutually understand each other, then we can move past those differences and help the plan of care to be successful. So so person-centered nursing focuses on the person's needs rather than the needs of the service. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense. And it's really, you know, identifying the patient as an individual mm -hmm. you know, rather than fitting them into a population. And so I feel like, you know, we've done a really good job in healthcare developing protocols, like for, for disease-specific protocols, for, you know, population-specific protocols. And we sort of follow these formulas. Right. Not thinking about the fact that there's an individual there that maybe doesn't quite 
fit into that formula as well as we plan on them doing right. so. So, you know, you have to, you know, standardization is certainly great. It, it really has been shown to lead to improved outcomes, but also, you know, considering that element of the individual mm -hmm. while you're working within a standardized process. Right. Right. And I think, uh, Dr. Hawking, you know, like, and I keep coming back to, to medical practice, but I'm trying to think of something to give an example is, you know, imagine you have cancer and you need to go, you need to have chemo, but you don't have a car. You don't have transportation. How can we then as a healthcare team work with the individual to meet that treatment process? We know that coming to maybe an outpatient cancer center and getting your chemo there is best because what we can do is, you know, decrease the risk of infection. We can monitor vital signs. We can, you know, we're right there if they get nauseous and vomiting, but say you're you're someone who is you know maybe indigent or doesn't have transportation doesn't have uh, adequate resources but still needs treatment right so so we have to find an approach that's that's designed to make the individual an essential aspect in the treatment process uh does that kind of help to clarify that's a that great too? example yeah yeah definitely mm -hmm. you know considering all all the aspects of someone's situation as well so right, right. Well, thank you, Dr. Spencer. And I also um, want to move on to the next subject of HCAPS, which is really like you defined, focuses more on that satisfaction or how to mm -hmm. measure patient satisfaction. But it's moving towards, like you said, that concept of experience, you know, in the um, in their framework. So, can you talk a little bit about HCAPS and sure, its sure implications on nursing and healthcare delivery yeah. um, overall? Yeah, yeah, I would love to. Again, thank you. So HCAPS, let's let's first define that. You know, we have all these acronyms, right? And I think sometimes we hear them, but we don't really know, well, what is that? So for HCAPS, that's, that's the hospital one usually used. It's the Consumer Assessment of Healthcare Providers and Systems. Um, and it's a surveys that are given out to patients for, about the patient experience in multiple contexts, like home care, hospital care, dialysis, that type of stuff. And then there's also a, um, one that, that happens in family practice or, you know, offices too. It's a, it's a GC CAPS, where it's the clinician and group survey that, that goes out. So there's a couple of different ones. These have been around for years. They are validated and studied, and it's a reliable tool that identifies and measures essential components of a pa uh, patient-centeredness and engagement. I think most healthcare systems are use this or utilize this or have utilized it to some degree. So, um, you know, nursing leaders definitely need to be aware of that and be savvy of what that is and look at that because it measures a bunch of different things. So its impact on the nursing and, and the healthcare delivery is that the nurse leader can use what they find in here, you know, from their surveys to impact care and care delivery and improve patient. I know we use the word satisfaction as well as their experience. So that's uh, kind of a kind of it in a simple nutshell. There's a lot more to it because it is a pretty in-depth study and it and it can yield a lot of important information. And, and how to improve nursing care and healthcare delivery. So for instance, if patients have a hard time accessing, say a specialist, it would help to point where maybe that deficiency is. Maybe there's a, they're not getting the referrals in a timely fashion, or you know, they, there's not enough of specialists, say a neurologist in the area. So that could help improve you know, recruitment and then how to improve the process for referrals and everything else like that. So 
yeah, that's just a little bit about about the age caps. That's a great overview. And, you know, like you said, it's really it's really helpful in that it helps the team to the healthcare team identify gaps and then, you know, work on um, process improvement and quality improvement right. interventions to improve those outcomes, not simply, you know, improving again, the scores, which we do want to pr improve the scores definitely as a means of measurement, but really Im improving the yeah, outcomes that are associated yeah, exactly. with the specific, you know, issue that those questions are addressing. And exactly. then, you know, it, there's a lot of attention paid to the survey as well, because through, you know, mm -hmm. the centers of Medicare and Medicaid, uh, there's a huge tie to reimbursement. So there's right. those financial yeah. implications that are associated with the out. survey. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, and really the, the goal in that is to encourage organizations to be part of a culture of continuous quality improvement. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times we think of, oh my gosh, there, there, there's that financial implication and that's what we, you know, care about. And it's like, oh no, but there's that broader push for continuous quality improvement and having, exactly. you know, and, and having financial implications really does help drive those processes. Unfortunately, you're right it does right and and that's unfortunate that it has to lead to that sometimes but and i'm glad you brought that out about medicare and medicaid because and correct me if i'm i'm wrong dr harkin i know it used to be i mean they kind of require this for some of their reimbursement stuff and everything yeah. else yeah, yeah within, if you're a medicaid or medicare system, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you if you have if you service medicaid or medicare patients you have to participate so yep yeah. yeah. Um, and and like you said, there's a lot of service lines that, you know, take care of those patients. So the surveys seen across settings, like you said, within hospice and home care and mm -hmm. outpatient. So there's a lot of items touched with yeah. that survey. So, and this is where the nurse leader has a great opportunity to be able to, to look at this and say, okay, where can we improve? Why are we low here? What's going on? You know, whereas the clinician, they're just, you know, they're practicing day to day. They're not looking at maybe the, the big picture, but the nurse leader would have the opportunity to look at this and say, what's going on over here? Why, you know, why is this getting missed? Um, not that someone's bad or they're missing something on purpose, but maybe it's, they don't have access to something or they don't, you know, they don't know that they're missing that. So yeah, thanks. I appreciate you bringing that part out. I meant to, to share that. No, absolutely. And your last statement actually rolls into the last subject content that I want to cover. And it's really that role of the MSN prepared nurse in informing and shaping that patient experience and how we can influence health and organizational outcomes. And like you said, it's often nurses in the leadership position or really at the MSN level in many capacities that has that, you know, insight and that that availability and access to really be looking at patient experience, be looking at those HCAP scores and working with the team to identify gaps and putting those processes in place. So Anyway, I kind of took over on that last content, so I will let <laughs> no, you no, share, um, you know, share what your thoughts are on that as well. Um, the role of the, the nurse leader to inform and shape uh, patient experience, is that what you're talking about? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, you know, I, again, as I shared earlier, I was doing a lot of research for this reading and 
which I love, by the way. So again, thank you for inviting me to do this because, you know, it's always, it's always awesome to just learn new stuff. And this is kind of my soapbox anyway, the leadership stuff. I've always loved this. So I have a nice quote I want to share here from the future of nursing, leading change and advancing health. And the first thing they, they talk about is, and I'm just going to quote this because I, I thought it was so powerful. So strong leadership is critical if the vision of a transformed healthcare system is to be realized. Yet not all nurses begin their career with thoughts of becoming a leader. The nursing profession must produce leaders throughout the healthcare system from the bedside to the boardroom who can serve as full partners. I love that full partners with other healthcare professions and be accountable for their own contributions to delivering high quality care while working collaboratively with leaders from other health professions. And I think that's a, just a great quote because, you know, I think nursing for many years, whether it's been us or other reasons, has kind of taken a backseat in leadership and what's happening in healthcare, but we really need to be at the forefront. And I think that's starting to change. We do have some strong leaders, um, nurse leaders, but we don't have enough. Wouldn't you agree, Dr. Hawkins? Yes, I I do agree. I think as you know, the healthcare's largest working sector, mm-hmm. we really have a unique perspective mm-hmm. in you know shaping the the patient experience, shaping um, what healthcare looks like, and right. uh, and you know getting involved. And so I like how you also said you know from the bedside to the boardroom because there's you know nurses in formal leadership positions. Exactly. Maybe they're a director, yep. they're a chief nursing officer, manager, but there's also also, you know, those informal leaders that really have just as much, if not sometimes more, right. um, power to shape what healthcare looks like and what healthcare delivery looks like. And so being that leader, you know, no matter what position you're in as a nurse or what your location is, you know, taking that leadership approach and helping, you know, others on your team to, again, work in that culture of continuous quality improvement and having that, you know, positive patient culture, culture of safety, all really helps to, again, shape healthcare. And so right. being that, that role model and being that person who's not afraid to, you know, make those changes and make those statements to improve, you know, the care in whatever sector you are working is really crucial for, for healthcare in general as we move forward. Exactly. And, and I think too, if you don't mind if I share a couple more things here that, you know, leadership for, especially for nurses, it's a collaborative, it should be a collaborative role, right? Like you, like you just shared, we can't work in a vacuum. None of us can. We have to work together. And, you know, that bedside nurse can have just as much value and input, if not more, because they see what's happening day to day and what, you know, what's going on to help bring about positive change and be a leader across all settings. And really collaborating with the healthcare team is so important. It's not just about the physician. It's not just about the hospital CEO, but, you know, all of us collaborating together and using our skills and stuff together. And, and with that, I would also like to say that student nurses, um, which, uh, you know, is our audience here, they have important leadership skills that they can learn and are learning and need to, not need to, but they can use to help bring about change as well. There's National Student Nurses Association, there's different you know, state and local things that, that students can get involved with. Um, they can work with their local healthcare agencies or hospitals. 
you know, all kinds of things. I would encourage each one of you um, who's listening to really get involved, find out what's going on, get your pulse on the things that are taking place in your local area with, with your healthcare system and, and get involved and see how you can contribute and be a leader. Those are great suggestions. And I hope that if not already, some of those who are listening want to um, think about those roles and those opportunities and take advantage and, and help to change healthcare and our patient experience. Right. So thank you, Dr. Spencer, again, for joining me today in our discussion on patient experience. This has really been a robust discussion hitting a lot of key concepts and I know I enjoyed this discussion and I'm sure our students have as well. Before we close, is there anything that you would like to say and wrap up? Uh, I would just say, you know, I, I'm wishing all of you the best. Thanks for listening. We we talked about a lot of, some of it's kind of heavy and, but you know, you, you can make a difference. You do make a difference. Don't get discouraged. Find, um, as you're learning, you know, find your voice, find a mentor, find somebody to work with you have the opportunity to help shape not even the future but what's happening now and there's a lot that's happening especially with covid right so um yeah and nurses are are essential and valuable and uh can't say enough how much i love this profession and appreciate all of you for what you're doing thank you for those very uplifting closing comments and thank you for those of you who are listening in take care bye-bye Now that you've explored some important concepts related to your modules, if you have not done so already, please turn your attention to the course materials in your online course for additional application and practice of these concepts.